standard issue for all women. Hello, Jen here to tell you about this week's episode of The Sunday Chops. And it is, again, another double bill for you because we love your ears. You are welcome, ears of listeners. In the other episode of Sunday Chops, we have handed the reins over to journalist Hazel Davis, who had the best time when we sent her to the British Library to chat to author and all-round hilarious woman Nina Stibby. They had a delightfully wild chat about everything from Nina's first book, Love Nina, to wayward mothers, prudish teens, being first published at 50, and when it's okay to risk pissing off your entire family. It's quite an extraordinary interview, to be honest, so I suggest you have a listen to that as well. Back to this podcast, and this is the third in our series on pregnancy running throughout February. So we hear quite a lot about the joy and wonder of pregnancy and rather less about the constant stress of wondering if something's wrong or if you just need to fart. And I say this as someone who recently sought advice from more than one medical professional about agonising pain and was told by all of them, you just need to do a poo. I didn't need to do a poo. I needed my pelvis to stop moving, but... That's a different story altogether. Anyway, in this episode, I talk to Anna Cook, who's a team member at Mumsnet, about mental health and pregnancy, the anxiety around growing a human, and what you can do to help yourself and others experiencing it. And it is, frankly, a fucking minefield. Sorry to swear, so early on in this podcast, but the emphasis is needed. Over to Anna, and I hope you enjoyed this chat, or at the very least find it useful. I'm joined by Anna Cook from Mumsnet. Hello, Anna. Hello. Thanks for joining us, or rather letting me join you in your rather lovely office here in North London. It is a very lovely brick-built office. It is. I'm a bit confused by Google Maps, but that's maybe not for this <laughs> podcast. Anyway, so this is another one in our series on pregnancy, and what I've come to talk to you about today predominantly is about mental health. In pregnancy. As listeners of the podcast know, I am very much up the duff. And I've found that it has been contrary to popular <laughs> belief or opinion mm-hmm. or, or whatever, a time that has made me feel quite anxious. Now, it hasn't been a completely straightforward pregnancy, to be fair, but you do hear a lot of chat about pregnancy being this wonderful, magical time in which, you know, you're sort of doing... I don't know, people treat you almost like a unicorn, don't they? Like, you do this, you're fulfilling your role as a woman at last, hurrah, isn't it wonderful, magical? When actually it can make you feel lots of things that maybe you weren't expecting. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about this. I wanted to ask you, first of all, is there much chat amongst the users of Mumsnet about sort of mental health issues in pregnancy? There absolutely is so much discussion about prenatal anxiety and depression and worries, Um, not even big diagnosed mental health conditions. Worry, worry generally. Like you say, you think it's going to be this incredibly magical, wonderful time. And often it isn't. Even if you've been trying to conceive for a long time, the big fat positive can be a big surprise. If it's a surprise baby, it can be a huge surprise. But also, even if it's just a very straightforward, fantastic I'm having a baby, it's not often always that easy. Um, We found in the last year there were well over 4,000 mentions of prenatal pregnancy, depression and anxiety on our boards. So there are thousands of people talking about this because there's nowhere else to do it. 
So why don't we hear... I mean, this is probably a stupid question because the answer is probably very simple. The world's very sexist. (laughs) (laughs) We do hear a lot more, I think increasingly a lot more about postnatal depression and even like postpartum psychosis is something that people Mm. are chatting a lot more about at the moment, something that I had never heard of until EastEnders read that storyline a few years ago. And I'm sure lots of people, I'm sure you guys probably were called upon to talk about that at the time. But why is there no chat really in the sort of out there in public about how worrying pregnancy can be and, and how, you know people who for example i find it really restrictive in fact i haven't spoken to one person who said to me i really enjoyed being pregnant it often seems to be one of those things that people only start talking about once they are pregnant often people don't want to worry you and sometimes the worries can be incredibly personal they can be health related gynecological you can end up not wanting to discuss that with someone you just met on the street. So they often are quite private worries. Um, One of the advantages of Mumsnet is, of course, we're anonymous. Mm. So you can go on there, you can type, is it normal to feel that way? And so many of our discussions begin, begin like that, begin with, is this normal? Is it normal to worry? Is it normal to have these symptoms? Is it normal to bleed in this way? Mm. I mean, that's how Mm. I came across (laughs) basically Googling, is this normal? Is that normal? So what kind of things are people talking about? One of the big ones we had, I think it was even this week, was someone said, am I being unreasonable? Which is one of the big questions our users ask a lot. Am I being unreasonable to be alone and thinking pregnancy is a horrible experience? And she got an overwhelming, you are totally not being unreasonable. Um, And her particular worry was that she was a bad mum already. She doesn't even have a baby and she was already worrying that she was not fulfilling her motherly role. And that's not the case at all. Pregnancy, for some women, some women can sail through it and that's amazing. If that's you, then you're incredibly lucky and it's a wonderful experience. But for a lot of women, there are worries and concerns. One of our users said... I didn't have any big worries, I wasn't bleeding, I had no back pain, I had a very straightforward medical, medical terms, a very straightforward pregnancy, mm. but I had so many anxieties and worries that I needed someone to talk to. Because I suppose one of the things that will be making people very anxious, particularly I guess if you're a first time mum, is what am I doing? How does this work? <laughs> what will happen? And what will I do with the person when they get here? So why did this woman feel that she was a bad mother already? Is this just sort of the case of, you know, societal pressures that they start really quite early on? Oh, I think so. I think that's something that comes up a lot on our threads. Um, she particularly said that um, I struggle to eat anything. I can't stop crying. I'm worrying that my anxiety is going to pass on to the baby already. And they are huge worries to be having. And we are often told the risks. You go to your eight-week booking in appointment, you go to your scan appointments, and you're told, don't eat this, you could harm the baby. Don't do this. There's a lot of messages of don't. And actually, there is some flexibility in that. Of course, you've got to follow the guidelines. But to be told, you are responsible, and all that pressure coming down on just you not your partner, it's down to you when you're pregnant. That Mm. is a lot of pressure to cope with. There's there's other things at play, I guess, as well, because you're also mourning your old life and your old body. Mm -hmm. People talk about that. It's also a kind of fear of the unknown until you've actually experienced birth. You don't know what birth is like. But then as they say on the boards, you don't know what other women's births are like. You only know what your birth is like. 
Every woman experiences it differently. Depends on the size, position of the baby. There's a whole lot of other things at play there as well. So you just sort of touched on it now. Body image must be a big thing for a lot of pregnant women because obviously your body completely changes and it's it, while it's familiar, it's sort of then weirdly unfamiliar mm. as well. Is this something that rationally I feel like that must be something that bothers a lot of people? Oh, it is. And it ties up with what we were saying earlier about the eating as well. Mm. So we had one user who came on to discuss her issues in pregnancy and her first pregnancy, she was such bad sickness, not morning sickness, all day, all night mm. sickness, that she went from 10 stone to 8 stone. But then her second pregnancy, the only thing that stopped that sickness was eating, and she put on seven stone. Wow. So they are huge changes that are happening to your body, yeah. irrespective of growing a baby, a placenta, waters, your boobs changing for breastfeeding, all of that is also changing as well. And you're incredibly hormonal. Yeah, which I'm sure doesn't help. I haven't actually felt that hormonal, which I'm surprised by, because usually like cats make me cry. So, <laughs> so to be honest, like who knew? <laughs> Well, every baby, every pregnancy, every pregnant woman is different. Something that... I saw someone tweeting about this the other day, and I can't remember who it was, so unfortunately I cannot credit this to the tweeter, but it was someone in the public eye was talking about when they were pregnant and going for medical checkups, and basically the amount of times like healthcare professionals would ask in either explicit or less explicit ways whether or not they were basically in an abusive relationship and she had described that as extremely eye-opening and Mm. I've just been chatting to someone from Pregnant and Screwed earlier today, a seal, her dad, who was also mentioning it to me when we were chatting. I mean obviously being pregnant puts a lot of pressure on relationships. Is that something that is reported a lot? Maybe not, um, I mean I'm not sure how many people would be going on mum's net to say hey I'm in an abusive relationship but like relationship changes is that a common kind of experience it's strange you say it like that because often they don't come onto the relationship boards and say i'm in an abusive relationship they will say i'm doing something wrong my partner's not happy with me or things are changing between us what have i done and they're blaming themselves and it's only by talking to other women that they begin to realize that perhaps they are in an abusive relationship coercive control is incredibly subtle and it often steps up when you're pregnant so it is definitely something that our Mumsnet users are attuned to, and particularly professionals as well. So yes, the midwives do ask that question, and unfortunately they have to, because it is something that's happening to lots of women. I mean, you probably shouldn't do what my health visitor did. I had a three-day-old baby. My partner, husband, was sat next to me, and she was ticking through the box merrily, and then she went, oh, and are you in a domestic violence relationship? And he is sat less than a foot from me it's not a great opportunity to uh if i was i wouldn't have been able to say it but there are things you can do so um at the booking in appointment um when you have to go and give your urine sample lots of nhs trusts have a poster on the door with stickers orange stickers and say if you think you're in a domestic or a coercive controlling relationship stick one of these on your urine sample and we will take the opportunity to talk to you privately so they are that attuned to it, they are beginning to be mm. able to talk to women about it at a very early stage. Yeah, they're quite on it, aren't they? And, and also, I mean, I'll come back to this, but also with mental health in a way that they're not when you're not pregnant. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I found that so shocking that this, you know, domestic abuse can step up 
during pregnancy because everything in your mind screams this is the time to protect someone what is it about pregnancy that sort of we're not relationship experts we can just say what we see on the boards and it definitely does it seems that perhaps sometimes it's to do with finances that the the woman almost certainly will take some maternity leave at the very least a couple of weeks probably six months maybe up to a year so her finances are impacted so all of a sudden she is much more reliant on the the partner okay so that can make a big difference and that can change dynamics even in the strongest relationships if suddenly all the pressure on earning is on one person it can make an enormous difference to the relationship mm. that doesn't mean that abuse is necessarily going to start but if it is that can be one of the one of the things one of the factors obviously there's a lot going on during pregnancy there's you know i i think I have felt quite like in my own head, Mm. I guess, because it's a lot to think about. And it's quite hard to share that with someone else. Is that something that people talk about a lot? Yeah, in some ways. I mean, it's a lot easier, perhaps, for the woman to feel bonded to the baby. Sure. Because you are feeling and experiencing physical changes. You see your stomach getting Mm -hmm. bigger. You you feel changes in your body. Mm. Um, But for the partner, they don't. So often it's when the baby starts to kick or the bump becomes bigger that that bond can start a bit more. That's why a lot of people tend to go for sex scans to find out whether they're having a boy or a girl. Sometimes that can make it more real for the person who isn't having the baby. Are there any other sort of common themes that you see, like, on on the mum's net boards, things that people are talking about? There does seem to be difficulty with getting help if you are struggling with anxiety that is impacting your day-to-day life. So what we're hearing a lot of is people who have such severe anxiety that steps up that they try and seek help and often the waiting lists are so long that mm-hmm. pregnancy will be over by the time they get help one of our users was told by her doctor go and get some gaviscon it wasn't heartburn it was anxiety right but because she was experiencing physical stomach pains mm-hmm. he was blaming it on heartburn so that isn't particularly helpful if your anxiety is that severe no so obviously like I said before they're really on it in terms of like domestic abuse and things like that which is great absolutely they should be but also they're quite on it in terms of mental health and there are Mm. although as you've said like sometimes it's quite hard to get help I believe it's far easier to get help when you're pregnant than it is outside of pregnancy we get a really mixed reaction to that some women do find it easier it's very much a postcode lottery it does depend where you live it depends on how good your GP is at spotting things as well so those can make a difference also doctors are much more reluctant to prescribe medication when you're pregnant yes so although you might get it diagnosed you might not get the most effective treatment so that can be a, a problem too so they're very much more keen on diagnosing talking therapies, uh, cognitive behavioural therapy, things like that. So, yes, you might be able to get it diagnosed, but it's how long it can be on the waiting lists. And if your baby is born by the time you get to the bottom of the waiting list, the, rather the top of the waiting list, then that could not help you at all anyway. So what is there out there? What is available for women if they are sort of suffering on the more low-level kind of side of things, what what can they do other than, you know, I would always suggest to people talk, especially to your friends or other people who have, you know, if you feel able to, of course, depends on what your relationship's yeah. like. I've been very surprised by how many of my female friends who I've talked to about these things have said, oh, God, yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. It's like, well, why didn't you ever tell me about that before now? <laughs> you know. Sometimes perhaps they've been trying to, but you might not listen until you're in that particular mm. situation. And sometimes it does take you being pregnant to realise what they were actually talking about. Mm. So there might be a tendency not necessarily to play it down, but for you not to realise exactly what they're saying until you're there too. I mean, that's another thing. I think pregnancy can be quite isolating for lots of different reasons. I mean, like like I said, you know, I found myself to be in my own head quite a lot of mm. the time just because I'm really thinking about lots of things. You know, it's a, there's a lot to take on yes. board. But also... If you have friends who do have children, I mean, I, that, to be honest, like the best thing about being pregnant is other women. Yes. <laughs> that is the best thing about being pregnant because you're suddenly like part of this, I don't know, this club almost where everyone is like, you know, I've found that my friends with children have really, really rallied around yeah. to support me, which has been great and I'm very lucky. But sometimes it can be a bit different. And I found myself actually a bit embarrassed because this is my first pregnancy that I've been a bit shit <laughs> previously <laughs> with friends who've been pregnant because I've not really understood like yeah. what that actually entails and what that has meant for them. It can be hard if they're the first ones in the, preg- in the friendship group to get pregnant mm. um, and the other friends don't realise. But if the other friends do then have babies, you begin to appreciate it more. But then every stage brings with it different worries, anxieties yes. and if they're through the birth anxiety and the prenatal anxiety, they're probably onto the fourth trimester anxiety, they call it. When the baby's first born, the first three months, you need to keep the baby extra close um, to mimic the fourth trimester. Have you heard of that? No. Oh, my gosh. This is a whole new, whole new stage to be anxious about. Mm-hmm. The, the theory is that newborns are born too early. So they have to be born at, the, at nine months because they physically couldn't stay in your body any longer. Mm. But those first three months out of the womb, they should really be in it. So those three months, it's all about feeding on demand. Um, If you can, kind of cuddling them close. They still want that heartbeat and to hear your voice because that's what they've been used to for the last nine months. I thought they just slept all the time. Some can. Apart from when they're not sleeping. Mine didn't, but some can. (laughs) What, not not even in the day? My first child didn't sleep properly for the first ten months. Oh, gosh. But the second one was fine, and yeah. I did it again, so okay. it's, it's all fine. Okay. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Hello, Mickey here to tell you how you can find out more about us, and that is if you want to follow us on Twitter. Standard Issue is at Standard Issue UK. I'm at Mixed Noonan. Hannah is at that Dunleavy and Jen is at InspiraGen and you can find out more about our views, opinions and general nonsense if you follow us over there. Look forward to having a natter. Your friendship circle does change and I think finding people who are at a similar stage of pregnancy to you can really help. Before I even worked at Mumsnet, I joined the Mumsnet antenatal groups. So I already had... 75 women who were at a very similar stage of pregnancy to me, which meant that we could go through some of the anxieties and worries together. I think there's a danger with the first 12 weeks of not telling anyone because of society pressure that you don't really tell people until they're 12 weeks pregnant. I mean, I think that's mad anyway, to be honest, but that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, I mean, it depends because for some women, if you're in quite a competitive work environment and you tell your boss you're pregnant and then you suffer a pregnancy loss, they then know you're trying to conceive. So there can be a reason for not... I mean, I totally get mm. that. That obviously makes sense. But then the, the onus should be on them 
not to be crap employers, <laughs> not, not on you to kind of... Yeah. I mean, I, I do get for lots of reasons why you maybe wouldn't necessarily tell your employer straight away. And also, you know, you may want to feel... Obviously, there is a real risk of miscarriage in the first trimester. But I I mean, I've talked about this in so many of our podcasts already, but I really feel that the whole 12-week thing... I basically think everything is just a conspiracy against women. But I kind of feel that there's a level of shame attached to it that is projected onto women. Like, don't tell people because you'll feel silly if you end up not having the baby for whatever reason. Okay. That the idea is that you're supposed to feel ashamed that you weren't able to fulfil your womanly duty or whatever, when in fact, obviously, it's a huge thing. It's messing with your mind a bit and you might really benefit from a few people knowing about it. Yeah, it's one of those things that really depends on the woman and her particular circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. And And it's very personal. Oh, totally. And I think that's the same with most of pregnancy and birth. Mm. It really does depend on you primarily and then also your baby. There are some things you just won't be able to control because that's what your baby's like. I think for me personally, it was about almost like revising for the hardest test in the world. I swatted up so much on what I should be eating, what I should be doing, how much water I should be drinking, how much exercise. I I knew all the guidelines. Um, And then when my friends got pregnant, I wanted to tell them too. I wanted to pass on that information. And I think maybe... You see it come up on Mum's Net too. Lots of the users do want to share what they've learned. And so it does become that kind of, like you said, a bit like a club where you can share information and knowledge and you can try things. What works for one woman might not work for another. So I guess, I mean, with that in mind, in some ways that's a, that's a huge, huge benefit. Like I say, I would always advocate talking to people mm. and shared experience and whatever is a really, really powerful tool, I think. But I guess there can come a point where it's almost not helpful as well to take on everyone else's experience. Because as you say, your experience is very personal. It could be completely different to... Yes, yeah. And there is an argument for hearing people's stories and and learning from it, you know, rejecting what doesn't fit your model. Some, you know, it replies even when you're pregnant and when you've had the baby. It's about working out what works for you and then discarding the rest. So one of the things that I guess would cause quite a lot of anxiety for women, perhaps, uh, hasn't... All my friends keep asking me, are you really worried about this? Are you really worried about that? I'm like, no, I haven't really thought about it yet. I'm too busy being worried about this stage. But I'm sure it will come to me Mm. worrying about birth. And you guys have a campaign around this, don't you? About knowing your rights. We have our postnatal care campaign. Mm -hmm. And what we've discovered is that a lot of women do not get the care that they need or deserve after birth um so women are often being palmed off with a paracetamol when they've had a c-section they're often having to shuffle towards to get food and it's nothing that the the midwives are doing wrong there's a lot of understaffing that happens that's not their fault but women need good post-birth care to be able to feel confident with their new baby you know your whole life has changed in that moment and you need to be able to have a little bit of recovery time. I know they try and get you out of the hospital as soon as possible. And to be honest, my experience at the postnatal wards as well, I wouldn't have wanted to stay there too long. <laughs> yeah. But you need, you need good postnatal care. We were chatting before we started recording, we were chatting about knowing your rights in childbirth as well. 
and how a lot of women don't maybe know what their rights are? We've been doing a lot of work with different organisations. So um, Birthrights particularly um, are a charity that are very good on knowing what your rights are. Um, It's things like, for example, the NICE guidelines say that you're entitled to a C-section if you want one. Um, And that doesn't always happen for a lot of people. Um, Me personally, my C-section was denied at 36 weeks. I was told all through my pregnancy I could have one. And then at the last minute they tried to say that I wouldn't be allowed one. Um, The reason I wanted one is I had a previous C-section. So to me and my original consultant, it made a lot of sense to do it again because I already had a scar. The chances of the same complications happening were quite high. So I felt quite confident with that. But at 36 weeks, they tried to deny it. Mm -hmm. At that stage, I was hormonal and tired and was going in expecting to get a date. And what I actually got was a lecture. Mm -hmm. Um, And eventually, the consultant came back and said, after 45 minutes of, we do not give C-sections for maternal request, she signed the form saying, reason, maternal request. Mm -hmm. So she did. But it, it was a battle that I shouldn't have had to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and my experience is far from unique. Uh, there are a lot of women on the Mums Net boards who've had much worse experiences, some of them bleeding in car parks because their C-section's been denied, hemorrhaging, things like that. So that shouldn't happen. Um, we're also doing this work with them as well around Montgomery case. Nadine Montgomery was a woman who gave birth, I believe, 19 years ago. And she was a prime candidate to have a C-section because she had a lot of risk factors. And what ended up happening was she didn't have a C-section and her baby was born with cerebral palsy. And she battled through the courts for nearly 15 years. And because of that, so much has changed. Montgomery's law is now written into law Mm -hmm. that the woman is responsible or the patient is responsible for decision-making. So they have to be properly informed of their risks but it's no longer doctor knows best. You know, pat you on your head and off you go, I'm going to do whatever I want. Now the doctors have to get consent. Have to get consent, and that's so important. But so many women don't know about that. That happened between my children. My first child was born in 2013, my second in 2017. Between those two babies, the law changed. Mm. But I didn't know. So, I mean, I've been told already about birth plans and things like that, and to me... That's almost a cause of even more anxiety because I'm like, this is like Brexit all over again. Like, I shouldn't have responsibility for this. I don't know what I'm talking about. Can't you decide? I mean, obviously, like, absolutely, women should be able to choose what happens to their body under any circumstances as far as I'm concerned. But do you think that, you know, that's another responsibility to bear in a way? What's the best way to approach it so that it doesn't feel like that? Mum's that's been involved in talking to lots of different people about how this can be implemented effectively. Because like you say, you don't want at the 11th hour, you're about to give work birth and you're told, introduced a brand new concept, a C-section, and you're told, do you agree? Do you consent? Sign this form. Because that's not informed consent. So the whole point is that you know the pros and cons of the different procedures at a much earlier stage. And at the moment, that's not really formalised in any of your midwife appointments, or it certainly wasn't in mine. But if it could be, then you, when you're in an emergency situation you then know it's not a brand new concept you're not suddenly being introduced to something that you have no idea whether ventus is safer than forceps what the risk to you the baby is you know that's not the time to be introducing those concepts when you're 
10 centimetres dilated, the baby is coming. And you have no idea because you didn't do a medical degree. (laughs) So it's about knowing your the pros and cons at a much earlier stage so that you can be informed and know what happens to your body and what the benefits are and of course be led by the medical staff that's what they've done their training for they haven't studied for decades for nothing but know your body know your risks and if you feel like you're not being heard make your voice heard so do you have any top tips for people in terms of well on on a variety of things i guess a in terms of what they can do if they are feeling you know the mental strain of pregnancy and also what they can do if they feel i guess under any circumstances during pregnancy what they can do to make themselves heard if they feel they're not being heard you know mum's net isn't the experts we just listen to what our users are telling us and they are mostly saying that you because you can go weeks at a time without seeing a midwife or a doctor you need to be checking in with yourself making sure that you're feeling okay that it's not overwhelming you that you are not struggling with day-to-day life mm-hmm. and if you are then you need to be calling your gp there are also charities like mind can help um and even the samaritans if you're really struggling so as you say it can be difficult to be proactive if you're sort of feeling the strain yourself for whatever reason what advice would you give to people around pregnant people so partners or friends maybe if they think that their partner might be struggling what can they do to help our users are really clear that their worries shouldn't be dismissed they're there you'll be okay patting you on the shoulder that doesn't really get to the bottom of it a lot of changes are happening to you so it's really important that your partner particularly but maybe friends can listen to you as well um and there's so many resources now i feel so lucky to be having children when you can go online i mean i'm of course be wary of dr google and panicking yourself that way but equally you do have access to information and you don't have to wait another four or six weeks till you next see your midwife you could be having weeks of sleepless nights before now you can type into Mumsnet, is it normal, and see other women going through similar things or even start threads yourself and get the reassurance that you need. And I will say, as someone who is pregnant and has done that quite a lot, yeah, I think Dr Google is a dangerous game for anyone to play. But I have found the experiences of other users on Mumsnet to be really, really helpful and very reassuring at times. Often, even if you think no one else has experienced something, someone on Mumsnet has. We have 10 million unique users every month. We've been going 20 years. That's a lot of pregnancies that people have documented in some way on Mumsnet. So you can usually find someone who may not have been through the exact same thing, but something similar. Or just enough so they can talk you through it and listen to you so you can be heard. What else are you up to at Mumsnet Towers at the moment? Any big campaigns that you're working on? Our big one does tie in in some ways to what we've been talking about. Um, We're doing Publish Parental Leave campaign. What we're trying to do is get employers, big employers but also small ones, to publish their parental leave. It's a small cost-free change that employers can do that can make a huge difference to parents-to-be and also parents. Um, And the idea is they publish their maternity paternity, adoption and shared parental leave publicly on the website. Working for them, go on there, find out what you can be entitled to and then you can plan your financial future. It's a bit like gender pay gap reporting. So it's a really small cost-free change for the company, but it's about a bigger cultural shift Mm -hmm. and making it much easier for parents to be and parents to, to work. 
Is that something you're following up with government at the moment? Yes, we are. We've been talking to different ministers about it. Mm -hmm. We've also analysed 350, the FTSE 350 companies. Mm -hmm. And we're now looking at the big employers as well. And what we found was really shocking. So we found that it was easier to find what Christmas hamper you could be entitled to, what uh, gym benefits you can mm -hmm. get, yeah. what company holiday you can get, compared to what paternity leave, maternity leave, parental and shared adoption leave you can get. And, I mean, I would guess, much like with the gender pay gap, it's because the companies would rather you did not know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but the thing is, we are celebrating companies that publish. So since our campaign... We've had dozens who are now publishing. Big companies like ITV, Just Eat are now publishing their parental leave policies because of our campaign. So that's brilliant for them because it means they're going to get great employees attracted to them. Um, and it's great because women have to work. Fathers have to work. You need to be able to plan your financial future. I mean, it's interesting because I've just come from talking to, as I said before, a self and pregnant then screwed. And obviously they campaign on this a lot and that interview will be coming up next week the point that she was making to me is you know it's actually in your interest to not be scumbags <laughs> to <laughs> pregnant women and, and, and new parents as an employer because there are lots and lots of benefits for your company oh definitely i mean it's really shocking them how much of the workforce gets cut out once you have a baby it can be really hard to return to the hours you were doing before, to afford childcare. There are a whole load of other issues around work. And this is just such a small change, but it makes such a big difference and it shows that you're open to parents working. I think we said that 82% of parents and prospective parents were reluctant to ask on potential employers. And I think one of our users said, it's like online dating. <clears throat> Um, you'd rather know up front if they were a BMP supporter or not <laughs> than waste your time courting them for a few weeks and then discovering them. So, so you can snaffle them up quickly, of course. <laughs> Absolutely not. That's a joke, listeners. It's a waste of everybody's time yeah. not to be transparent and upfront because even if it's SMP, even if it's the standard statutory maternity pay, you need to know. Mum's net, obviously is very much there on the internet for all people at all times to uh, get involved with and find resources and have chats and, and all sorts of things. Where can we find you? It's mumsnet.com. Mumsnet.com. We do have our, our main Twitter account, which is at mumsnettowers. Excellent. Anna, thanks very much. Thank you. Hello, Hannah here. Just wanted to let you know that if you like what we do, you can help us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It really does help, especially if you give us five stars. Did that sound threatening enough? Give us five stars. Standard Issue for All Women.